the, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. It's finally here. The Macy's Friends and Family Sale with an extra 30% off gifts they'll love. Get an extra 25% off dressed-up designer looks for kids from Calvin Klein and more, plus an extra 25% off Samsonite and Delsey luggage. With great prices from top designers, Macy's has all the best deals you won't want to miss this week. And don't forget to sign up for a Macy's card or use a coupon to get 15% off beauty products they'll love this season. Tap here to download the Macy's app today for great holiday deals at Macy's. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about deadly lessons, green kisses, and what I can only assume is the Doctor Strange cloak making a cameo for his MCU appearance in Once Upon a Time, people. Uh, Once Upon a Time did it. Once Upon a Time did it. It's the Simpsons did it of uh, Disney and Marvel. That's right. Well, I am Beth Elderkin and I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? I am doing very well. Um, in in all of my majestic Christmas spirit, I am ashamed to say that it took until this year that my son, my son, my baby dragon, looked at our Christmas tree and went, "There is not a star atop this tree." I have the f- I have never had a star for my tree. I now have a star because of a very angry five year old. Oh my goodness! That I mean. You can't really be mad at that, though, even if he's angry, because I'm like, that's just adorable. It's No, it was very super adorable, but it was like one of those, we never had, we were not a star tree type people. We d- we've we never really had them. My mom tried a Santa Claus situation, but we didn't like that either. So when I was growing up, we had the angel on the tree and we had a very, it was a very big deal that it was the last thing that went on the tree and we were all there present for the angel on top of the tree. Uh, now my husband and I have a gnome head nice. on the top of the tree. Nice. And it's really cute. It's, yeah, we it's falling apart, but it's cute. We didn't really have those traditions. We did the pickle thing, though. We were very big mm. in the pickle. So my tree does have a pickle. We don't do the thing, but it was a thing of when, when I grew up. But anyway, <laughs> Midwestern <laughs> anyway, stories. Anyway, <laughs> we are here to talk about season three, episode 17, The Jolly Roger. And this is, um, it is an episode. It's a lot of episode. It is an episode. Correct. Yes. I, um, how do I feel about this one? I I don't know. Abby, how do you feel about this one? I'm going to, I'm going to gauge my response on you. I'm okay. So here's, I was thinking about this because I knew you were going to ask me because I watched the whole show and I was like, oh boy. I don't think I like or dislike it at this moment. I think I'm mostly just confused. It's just like a weird unsettling what was this episode? Because I think there's a certain point where where Charming's in the passenger seat of a truck while Henry crashes it down Main Street Storybrooke where I'm just going, what's happening? What is going on? And why? 
Yeah, this is a this episode made a lot of choices. I, I feel like this was a precursor to charming with the, the four by the two by four um, on the back. I mean, charming and he has fun on trucks. Charming loves to have adventures on trucks. I but listen, he is a farm boy through and through. So you give him an old beat up Ford and he is going to live his best life. So that tracks absolutely i'm surprised he didn't have like a tall boy in a brown paper bag while this was all happening be like you're doing fine kid shotguns his natty light um yeah just just this weird episode it was a weird episode it mixed a lot of strange it had like the weird fun adventures with with charming and and letting a 12 year old drive while also being paired with a a real historical figure being eaten by sharks and a pirate um, getting a getting a sex worker thanks to his friends. This girl got to eat, and she uh, uh, and we'll talk about it. My favorite part of that whole episode was she was just like she didn't question any of that. She's like, I've already been paid for, it. and he's like, and I will pay you more to just say that we did it. She's like, fine, and leaves. She's just like, I am not even going to kind of argue with this. Let's go. I'm going to go get a donut. Um, <laughs> it just you know it. Uh, so many choices, so many wild choices, and I will say this is not that I didn't know this already, but the little line that Zelina and Hook when they talked and he drops Emma's name, I realized that I am the target housewife that they are going for because he was like, I swear on Emma, and my whole insides just turned into jelly and mush. I'm like, oh, it's so sweet. It's terrible, but it's so sweet. I love them so much. I'm like, oh, God, get it together, Abby. Get it together. I think my cynicism has destroyed me forever, but I'm also very tired because I have an 11-month-old baby and they're exhausting. So I, I when I heard that line, I, I more groaned inside my soul, but I wanted, I wanted the, 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 the gooey jelly. It did not happen. Uh, and the, so let's go ahead and like get into this episode. Um, and we're going to start in the past and then we're going to kind of get like, we're going to find out what happened, uh, to hook. Cause he's the only one who can remember what happened. Although we still don't quite have an explanation for how he is the only one who remembers things. They haven't gotten that far yet. And then we're going to kind of get into uh, him having an oops, the consequences of my actions moment. Um, And overall, I feel like this was good-ish, but there were a couple moments that the episode, a couple choices the episode made that were wrong choices. And if they made the right ones, it would have been a lot better. I, I'm not sure. So I agree with you kind of on the choices. I honestly think it was pacing. And pacing and mm-hmm. how they cut it together. I think that's what disjointed me the most about it. Mm-hmm. Because I don't hate this. But I also like, I feel like they were so close. It was one of those things where you're just like, oh my goodness, we're so close. So so we'll just start. We open in in a in a dark forest. And there is a and there is Royal Guard uh coming with, I guess, a treasure chest. And they are stopped uh by a by a by a what's the word that I'm looking for? What do you call those people? They're, they're on the road. A, um, a highwayman. No, because yeah. he's, like, he's robbing them. And so he's like, he, well, he's, in this episode, they are land pirates. Uh, yeah, okay. So we will get to the <laughs> land pirate situation. I loved it so much. <laughs> like the world's worst gang. Um, so he is in this, what is genuinely looks like archaic 
armor and it doesn't look like he can move. I don't know why the, I, that's not true. I was going to say, I don't know why they're threatened. I do know why they're threatened. So it's, I'm just going to get it out here. It's Hook and he's doing a real deep voice. And obviously we know who it is, but the people on the road don't. He's just like, you should stop and give us all of your treasure or uh, we will kill all of you. And he's like, you and what army? This army. And all of these arrows in a full circle around them light up. And it seems to be an army of archers with flaming arrows, which would be weird because they were very close quarters. Doesn't matter. So the guys decide they're going to leave the treasure and leave with their lives. He's like, that's a good choice. It's revealed to be Hook. Hook is mad at Smee because the arrows took too long to light because, uh, spoiler, they don't have an army. It's like him and like five dudes. Uh, not the greatest gang you've got in the world, but it's uh, Smee. And this is this is how they set up that it is the post-curse, or not post-curse, pre-curse, but post-storybrook self. Because Smee's like, I miss being a rat. It's a little bit better, but I love cheese. Uh, and he's like, yeah, this is so much better. We don't need any, we don't need a stinking ship. Who needs a ship to go pirating when we can just steal from people? He's like, yeah, we're land pirates. Sir, those are just, you're just a, you're just a robber. You're a, you're a criminal. <laughs> you're. <laughs> so the whole thing with Smee kind of got me wondering, this is a larger existential question that I don't think the show ever addresses, but I kind of want to talk about it with you. Where, you know, Smee, is, Smee so far has been the only one in the Enchanted Forest who's really talked about life in the real world. Because his life was very different from everyone else. He, he was a rat and he has his ups and downs about it. But everyone else, like, they're all in the taverns. They're, like, full Enchanted Forest, full Medieval Times. Do you think any of them at any point just, like, sigh internally and go, Damn, I really miss indoor plumbing. Listen, this has been my theory the whole time. The Enchanted Forest, whatever realm they're in, is the Midwest of that area because they are so good about just deflecting and pushing down as hard as they can. Like, this is big Ohio energy of just being like, no, we're not going to talk about it anymore. We're not going to think about it. And we're never going to try to think about the Google box ever again. I didn't understand it then, but I understand this. I get, I, I don't know how you wouldn't think the same thing. Just like, we're kind of pooping in a hole right now. Remember when we had like the loo and it was nice and we had poopery. Yeah, I mean, it was nice. Out of all of them, like Hook, I think would be the easiest to adjust because he never really adjusted to Storybrooke life. He still was in his pirate garb and for all I know, he was still pooping in the woods. But we have like so many people who spent decades in the modern world, even if, like, the Enchanted Forest is their home, it doesn't, like, I'm from California, but, like, I live on the East Coast now. I'm not, I didn't stay on West Coast time forever. Like, you, you know, like, p places change you. And, and if you gain something like modern technology and then you lose it, oh, sure, so you got magic, but you... I, you lost your iPhone. So, but here's the thing. So here we know, and again, this is nothing that ever gets discussed, but there are time periods within the Enchanted Forest and there is like an ex, like there, there is a visual representation of how their fashion changes, but obviously because it's 
you know, the dark ages in the in the Enchanted Forest, the, the fashion changes slowly. I would think that because of that, because of the uh, being in Storybrooke, fashion would change very quickly. Because, there, you know, we'll talk about indoor plumbing, but is absolutely zero way you go from a modern bra and panty set to whatever in the hell is going on under all of the clothing that all the women have to wear there. Like, there's no way. You're just like, you know what's more comfortable? A sports bra. I don't want to go running. Like, what is Red's life like? Red went from wearing, like, her little red booty shorts, her little Daisy Dukes, and her her tie-up to being fully clothed again in many layers. Does she change that? Does she decide she likes being exposed to the elements? Does how, how does that influence? Could she tie that into what she's doing now? The only one who does is Belle. And Belle seemed like the least likely candidate to 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 pull that kind of wardrobe shift. But listen, Belle Belle's not got a lot going on, so she's just channeling it into her Etsy store. Like she's just like yeah. she's just like I miss my I miss my boyfriend. Uh, he's not here. I'm going through a hard breakup, so I'm gonna make my hair real tall to God, and I'm gonna put on uh this pair of shorts and a pair of uh, leggings. Why not? New year, new me. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, they are the the pirates, the land pirates are at the tavern oh celebrating and uh Smee and the friends um have have done 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 a choice. So they decide to 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 treat treat uh ca- their captain to to a lady of the night. They they pay for a sex worker for Hook and Hook it's just like, cool, right on. Love this. Love this for me. Let's go. And they go out to the alleyway. He's just like, here, here's like probably way extra. Just let's pretend that this happened. I don't want to do this. And she's like, cool. Puts puts it away and leaves. I love, this- actually really, you're right. I did really like this because she like, you know, oftentimes they'll, they'll pr- like present the sex worker as like, naive like oh did i not do a good job are you not pleased with me like they make this very male gaze thing about it but no this is her freaking job and i actually interestingly enough i was happy they didn't do somehow the exact opposite and make her some sort of like rough and tumble tooth like missing her teeth and just being like but being aggressive about it because you're right there is this like male gaze thing where it's just like this sex worker is fiending to do this uh, yeah. She just happens to get paid. Uh, no, this is her job. If you're going to pay her to not do her job, she's also fine with that. She's going to go home and take off whatever ridiculous undergarment she may or may not be wearing. <laughs> she's just like, I'm going to go home, put my sweats on, score. Uh, so Was I-, I the only one who was pissed that Smee called her something? Yeah. I, yeah. But also, again, a rat. So, <laughs> eh. I, I, I'm I, sorry, I, that, that excuse only goes so far. He's I know, a person now. I know, but I also, uh, oh, so, 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 so here's a question, Beth. Uh, if huh? Emma had sex with Smee, did she have sex with a rat? Mm. Uh, because if she had no. sex with Walsh and you said she had sex with a monkey, but sex is, <laughs> no, he wasn't a Walsh, but. I thought I had already conceded my defeat about this last week. I'm just beating this this to death. We've Um, got we've got we've got Frozen coming up. I've let it go. Let it go. Um, So I do. 
and just just to talk just for the last part of this, I do want to mm. say that I would love if there was like a deleted scene of Smee like approaching this woman to like make this transaction, and she's just like, "Sir, there is not enough in the world." He's like, "No, it's for that guy over there," and points hook with his eye aligner and everything. He's like, "Okay, okay, not you, no, Guh. uh, him, fine, yes." Like she's, she, she, <laughs> it shows she has like standards and stuff, and it's Smee. It's like she can just smell that he's like he smells like cheese. Like, she's like gross. I don't. Whatever this is, no sale. Uh, so this is just supposed to like show us in a weird way, because that's why this is, you're right, it's a choice. They didn't do a terrible job in portraying this sex worker, but at the same time, I feel like there's a better way to describe or a better way to point to us and say, hey, Hook's, Hook misses Emma and is not going to throw his cat at anybody uh, because he misses Emma. I, I don't know if we needed this. I think we could have just had him being sad and forlorn. It's not something the show does. Like it was, it felt very out of character for the series as a whole. It, is it out of character for Hook as a person? Not necessarily, but it's not something we we've, we've seen portrayed on the series before, and it was kind of weird. I. Again, I also wonder if it was one of those things where it's just like, did they have sex workers before all these nerds went to uh, Storybrooke and knew about the like the real world and there was like some sort of like Storybrooke strip club or something and they were just like, let's bring that back, put some money back into the economy. <laughs> um, so <laughs> as Hook is just like, okay, cool. Now all the guys will think that I got laid. Amazing. This is like a high school uh, gross out film. Amazing. All the guys are going to think I'm amazing and high five me. Uh, uh, he gets accosted by a young woman. I like that they like blur her face for one of the shots when they, I don't think they needed to do this, but it's Ariel. And she's just like, you, you SOB, <laughs> you were the, you were the reason my Eric is gone. He's like, listen, I'm kind of a piece of shit, but probably not for that. Not what I did. Not me. Got the wrong pirate here. I'm a land pirate now, my, my lady. <laughs> and she's like, no, I saw you. You're the Jolly Roger. And he's like, the Jolly Roger. I cannot tell you the number of times that I, in my worst Johnny Depp impression, kept saying Black Pearl every time they said Jolly Roger. (laughs) The Black Pearl. So this episode came out in 2014. When did the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie come out? Oh, that was early 2000s, I think. Yeah, yeah. Five or six? Yeah, yeah, I think it was like, yeah, 2004, I think, because Dead Man's Chest came out in 2006. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so this definitely, this episode, like, Blackbeard in particular, seemed to have some uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Depp-ishness about him. I was genuinely surprised when Blackbeard was revealed for two reasons, uh, because I, and I'll tell the other one later, but the first one was that he was not... Uh, Jack Sparrow-esque because I was expecting like a very crazy pirate to show up and we didn't get a really crazy pirate and I was genuinely shocked by that um but anyway so Hook's Hook's little ears are up he's like what did you see that you saw the black pearl where where is she and uh she's just like oh I will take you to it it is like right over there because I miss my boyfriend he's like I will help you find this boyfriend because I am such a good hearted soul, but don't tell anybody. Tell everybody that I got laid by that woman over there, and he points. <laughs> but I'm not good. I'm not a good person. But, but I'm not a good person. Mm. 
<laughs> I mean, okay. she keeps telling him the contrary when she isn't screaming about her coat getting a slight rip in it that she could very easily repair herself. Yeah, she had a very, um, uh, oh no, I lost it. She had a very, um, Sleeping Beauty, Aurora energy about her in this, which I didn't care she, for. No, she felt incredibly dependent on Eric and very, like, she felt like a mix of Aurora and Belle, where her sole purpose was, was Eric and she, to the point of obsession, which didn't feel in character for her. Yeah, she, she cares about him, but like, she, like, she, he is all she could talk or think about. She's a, still a person. So I think that there's, if we're going to put there to be a scale of it, I would say like if at a one, we would have like Aurora where she's like, I have to find my Philip. I have to find my, where it just seems like if she doesn't, she might actually physically die. Uh, because that's how Aurora always kind of was. She just seemed like she couldn't take care of herself if she didn't have uh, Philip with her. All the way up to snow, early snow at least, as this comes and goes. But early snow would have been trying to find Charming, but like not in a, if I don't find him, I simply could not breathe another breath. In sort of a, I need to find this dumbass or he will die. Like, it's imperative <laughs> that I find him. Otherwise, he's going to be in an F-150 uh, with a 12 year old and he cannot be left to his own devices. Uh, he is a certified ding dong. Uh, like there's, there's a scale like from like, mm -hmm. and so she was way going way over and she should have been closer to snow where she's like, listen, I got to find this guy. He's gone. I don't know where he went. I'm worried, but she was giving much more of a desperate, mm -hmm. like I'm very upset that he's gone so much so that I, I I'm not thinking straight, I guess. All right. So Hook is just like, yeah, we'll go. Stop telling people I'm good. But you are. You're so nice. No, stop it. And they get to the Jolly Roger. Okay. First of all, thought Eric was going to be um, Blackbeard. I know. Exactly. Like, uh, um, there were actually reviews. Like, I read uh, Entertainment Weekly's review of this episode, which those reviews um, don't hold up in terms of... <laughs> Like reviews from ten years ago were uh, much more casual about uh, just systemic sexism, in a way I, that we don't we don't see in writing anymore. It was weird. Like uh, one, they were like, "I wish they well, a pirate had said yo ho when the sex worker came in the room," and I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" I there is honestly, guys, it that's this. This is true. I didn't read what she read, but I will tell you that I have read some reviews of different things and just random articles and stuff from the early 2000s or like 2010s and stuff. I, who are these people and why are they writing articles? Like, I love, like, the, my favorite one, Marvel wise, is the one where when Thor came out, they were just like, <laughs> two no names, not a damn person's ever heard of, are now playing Thor and Loki. What the hell? This is going to be t terrible, an awful movie. And it was just like, yeah, they're talking about Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston, who are now just two pillars of uh, sexuality in two different, very forms of ways. So it's just like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> go to hell. Um, so, yeah, so they, okay, so we get to the ship. It's not Eric, which is what I thought was going to happen, but it is kind of like a, it did have the, instead of a Johnny Depp vibe, it did have like Johnny Depp, like, or um, Jack Sparrow's dad energy, because it did have like a mm -hmm. Mick Jagger look to him. Yeah. Uh, but also the way that the like sliding of the ship kept, like, it looked like a dance number was about to take place. 
Like it looked like it so looked like a stage. I couldn't break my brain from it. It was just like I felt like I was sitting front or like mezzanine of a of a pirate shanty show. Yeah, this whole scene was kind of bonkers bananas to me. Like Hook Hook shows up and is just like, I challenge Blackbeard. Come out and face me. And Blackbeard's all right. Okay. I mean, I have you surrounded by like 45 guys, but sure, let's do a one-on-one. And then, yeah, they have like a dance, which was mixed in terms of how good it looked. At times it looked pretty decent and other times it looked very slow. Um, and I do want to point out the uh, the actor who plays Blackbeard was the Beast in The Magicians, and I think he's fantastic. Like I love this guy's energy. I love, I love his casualness. Like I don't know, uh, uh, does that make no, I sense? Like I, I, yeah. he's like he he's chill, even though he's menacing. Like, and that's that was him in in The Magicians to a T. Uh, also, interesting trivia: the, this is the only time in the show, at least according to the wiki that there is a uh, a character in Once Upon a Time, a fictional character in the Enchanted Forest, who was a real person. Or at least it's the first one. Okay, I believe it might be the only one. <laughs> My brain is Rolodexing all of the Imagination Land people that showed up, and I'm just like, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I'm just like, isn't the Count of Monte Cristo? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, Boy, that'd have been wild if they would have done like just fictional versions of characters from like Once Upon a Time, but like more modern stories. Like they did Monte Count of Monte Cristo, but wouldn't it be funny like season like whatever six or seven when they did that where it's just like, and this is the Great Gatsby. Why is he here? I don't know. He's just really drunk. Um, Rosebud, <laughs> Citizen Kane. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, the Shawshank episode was very depressing. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. So back to the ship dance. You're right. It was, I feel, this is one of those things where, again, they did this with a lot of harsh lighting, which mm-hmm. I think is what, to the detriment of the the fight. Uh, I've noticed this. I, f- I feel like I look at it a lot more now when I see fight scenes and stuff. The way you make it look much more not dancing because choreography for for sword fighting is just dancing it's fancy dancing with a stick uh is you just you you know you rock the camera a bunch the lighting's bad there's a bunch of special effects of like maybe there's fog and stuff like that the lighting's weird they didn't do that for this it was all just very clear shots of two dudes kind of fighting with each other it's all like very early star wars movies not like the lightsaber mm. duels and the the sequels uh, he okay, so he bests Blackbeard. I do like that they hype up Blackbeard like he's the the meanest pirate, but at like no point do we see him being the meanest pirate. He's a sassy pirate Very because, sassy. The, like, <laughs> basically he's like, yeah, I put Prince Eric on an island. He's he's not on the boat, um, and I was gonna ransom him off, but instead. I'm going to be a catty bitch and I'm going to just, I'm apparently my, my, my raison d'etre right now is just to make Captain Hook look like a chump just for funsies. Yeah. Because so then he like, he's just like, ah, ha ha ha. And then he's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, you can't kill me uh, for some reason. And Hook's like, maybe I won't. Maybe I don't want to find out where Eric is. And Ariel runs up on, on deck and she's like, I can't believe it. You told me you were going to do this. And, he, and Blackbeard is just like, a wench. 
I knew it. You have gone soft. And so Hook decides he doesn't care where Eric is. Again, another what seemed like kind of a Pirates of the Caribbean situation. Like they've stranded Eric on a on an island somewhere and mm-hmm. he's, you know, just drinking a bunch of rum until someone shows up. Um and so he 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 basically makes Blackbeard walk the plank. It's just like, look, a real character, like a real person, and then now he's gone. And he's just like, hey, by the way, Blackbeard's crew, I need people to sail this ship still. Um, you can either be loyal to me or you can walk the plank after your last captain. What's your choice? And they're all like, yeah, Captain Hook. And he's like, cool, awesome, neat. And, uh, and it's Ariel- like, this is the second time he's done this. I know. I love the idea that like these people are just like, sure, I guess. As long as I have a job, I kind of don't even care who the captain is. I'm just the person that pulls the sail up and down when people tell me to. It's not the best work, but it is honest work. So I guess. And a little history fact, uh, Blackbeard did not die by shark. He didn't? (laughs) No, he was decapitated. Oh, Captain Hook did not show up with a mermaid uh, demanding to find a prince and walk in And push him off the plank. Yeah, and only for Ariel to three minutes later jump in the same water and not be eaten by sharks herself. Well, she can speak fish. She's probably like, she'd be like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up, Jeff? Hey, what's up, Todd? And they're like, hey, what's up? And they're just like, ravaging. Like, <laughs> well, if she, yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, if she wasn't eaten, because she's got a rapport with them, uh, she is, she's just swam through the blood and sinew and tissue of Blackbeard listen, as she listen, went down. Listen, the ocean is a terrifying, horrifying place. As nice and as pretty as Ariel is, she's seen some terrible shit. 100%. Um, also, <laughs> if they're like staying with the Disney line, I mean, I bet the sharks are just like, fish are friends, not food. Ariel's a fish. She's just like, hey, what's up? But then a person shows up and they're like, oh, get this guy. <laughs> this guy sucks. So they eat that guy, but not Ariel. So Ariel, but Ariel doesn't leave before she slaps Hook. I love that she slaps him twice in this episode. Um, do you want a fun little trivia about that? Always. So apparently the actress had never slapped anyone on screen before. And so Colin, just like when she had to slap him, he just kept telling her to just go for it and just like go nuts. And apparently at one point she slapped him on the neck instead of the face. So she was just like so intense about it. She was just like smacking him and then smacked him in the neck. Can you imagine? So I just have a very random story about this and I will keep it short. Uh, my sophomore year in high school, we did Babes in Arm. It, babes in Arms. Oh, God. And they put a chorus in the show, which don't it, Babes in Arms chorus. Not a thing. Uh, so the main character has to like slap a guy and she'd never done that. So they were practicing it and the guy's like face was starting to swell up and no one could figure out why it's because instead it's a stage slap. Okay. You're supposed to kind of like open hand graze across the face and like keep going. Like you follow through on your slap and they turn their face. So like you make contact, maybe, maybe not. She was like cupping her hand and just like boom, boom, like just hitting. Him. <laughs> oh my god! And it took like six of those before someone was just like, "Hey, don't do that anymore." And she's like, "Oh," because like my face, like he had Ice's face. It was so wild. Anyway, guys, stage slapping, not for the faint of heart. But yes, anyway, that is the past. And this is Hook's big secret, is that he chose his ship over Prince Eric. 
And I gotta be honest, I was a little let down that this was his big tragedy that has been like haunting him. It it does it does suck and it doesn't match with who Hook has become. I'm not saying that it's nothing, but also like okay. I it's so fine. The problem is here is that they're trying to paint this as that he is very upset about losing Emma and the Jolly Roger is all he has. Like he even makes an impassion. He's like, she's all I've got. It's like the ship. Yeah. The ship. It's the ship. <laughs> the ship is what I'm talking about. Uh, because he is apparently so. And, and again, like I said, I am pro pro this specific, uh, fandom ship. I, I like the Swan hook situation. Captain Swan. But the way they dialed it from like Neil's dead hook is suddenly so impossibly in love with Emma. Like it just, it's destroyed him as a person. Like he is so devastatingly in love with her, which again, that's the, that's what, you know, obviously we're, we're as women, we're supposed to be like, Oh my God, he's so in love. He's so broken. But like, it doesn't track. Like he's just like kind of okay with her. And then this, like the little like blip happens and she, he's just like, Oh, this is I'll never get to see her beautiful face ever again. I need my ship. Uh, and so much so that I will be like a bad person, even though he had somewhat been working towards redemption. So like this whole storyline, it felt like it was so close to being correct. Yeah. But they just steered so hard into it. It didn't work. Yeah. I feel like little tweaks to this and mainly in the pacing, like you had said, would have made this have a bit more impact. Um, but as a, as it was, I, I was just, I mean, I, I, I kind of wanted something a little bit more traumatic, you know, especially I would have much rather had it be someone that, for example, Hook was closer to. He didn't really know Ariel. He knew Tinkerbell. Maybe he screwed her over. Um, you know, there are other people that we could have had this be involved with instead of Ariel. But we are going to go ahead and go back into the present where we have uh, an Ikea crib assembly that is not going very well. And and Mary Margaret wants to bring in uh, Geppetto to to build it because we haven't had a cameo from him. But like, no, we can't afford it. So we're just going to name drop him, which means we don't have to pay him. But he's not coming. I... I don't know why the trope of people struggling to build things annoys me so much, but it just, it aggravates me to my very core. I don't know why. I hate this. I hate this. I I mean, it, it is very like, it, it, it's, it can be, it's, it's identifiable, but also not like it's, it's an anxiety we've all experienced, but we don't experience as often as TV portrays it to be. But like when, I feel like when I see someone trying to put some furniture together and it's going really badly, it it gives me knots in my stomach. Like, and I can remember that one time something like that happened to me, and it sucks. So I think it also comes from a fact of like, especially baby things, for the most part, are not like this for safety mm-hmm. reasons. Like your crib comes in four pieces at most. It yeah. comes in a giant impossible box to ship carry in a normal car or anything because for safety reasons you can't build the whole thing top to bottom there's at no point would you ever have to put in more than that many screws and so like that's another one of those things where you're just like 
does anybody have a baby? Does anybody just be like, did they take this crib apart extra amount to make this worse? Where did we find this crib? Does it have a drop bar? Because those aren't legal anymore. Like, I just, like as a mother, I have so many questions. Yeah. A lot of questions. But annoyed. And so they're like, no, we have to continue living our life. And it's just like, this should take you like 10 minutes. This isn't continuing to live your life. This is going home, build a crib, and then we go beat the shit out of a green witch. I mean, if Emma had her magic, she'd be able to assemble this a lot faster. But she is having some some troubles in the magic bedroom. In that she wants to uh, work on those skills. So, of course, she's going to uh, turn to Regina to think that she can train her because, obviously, Rumple cannot. Rumple gave her, like, half a lesson. Regina helped her move the moon. Uh, but we need to get to the next step. And um, so David is like, this is my favorite scene. Oh, I have a crying baby in the next room. I might have woken him up. Oh, my my husband will will look after the child. If you hear a crying baby, that is why. A good uh, a good father. Yes, yes, he is in a crib that was not assembled from forty thousand pieces. <laughs> um. So yeah. So so charming offers to watch Henry and and Emma's like. I don't think so. And this scene was great because I've everyone's had this kind of conversation where you're just like. No, you're tired. You need a break. And they're like, no, no, we're, we're not tired. We can totally do it. And then she's like, no, it's not you're tired. It's that I don't want you to. <laughs> and she mentions the cradle cap. And I immediately thought of you. I So I also like, I don't think Emma disliked it. I think Henry was just like, I don't like these people. I genuinely don't. Because that is... Uh, an experience, and I will, as as a person with a five-year-old, can say that, like, when you have a baby, you can just be like, hey, can you watch my baby to literally anyone that you trust? And they're like, yeah, absolutely, because as long as, you know, they keep the baby alive, that's what you're asking them to do. But they can play with the baby and have fun. Soon that baby develops a personality, becomes a toddler, has opinions on things, especially, and again, Henry's not a 10-year, or a, a toddler, he's a, he's a 10, 11, 12, however old he is. Uh, he has opinions on the people he hangs out with. So it's just one of those, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you're going to go hang out with uh, uh, Mary Margaret and David. Ugh, bunch of nerds. Like, he has an opinion about that. And so he probably was just like, please don't make me hang out with the cradle cap lady again. What was that about? And that's the awkward moment as a parent being like, I, no, <laughs> it's it's not that he doesn't like you. It, um, it just. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, but it also hurts their feelings because they're his yeah. grandparents, and they want you know, like it, it. It's hard for them to to be told no. You can't hang out with him because he not only does he not know who you are, but he doesn't like you. <laughs> the people you are that he knows you as, he does not care for. So instead, he's gonna hang out with surrogate father Hook. Which is a choice um, because, and, and I, I legit feel the only reason this choice is being made is because they're trying to push Emma and Hook together much faster than it should happen. They are like, they're they are sailing that ship down the high seas. And so they've got to get everybody in the same places. You have to get Hook involved in Henry's life. And so Hook can be involved in Emma's life. Everything has to surround Hook and Emma being f- pushed together as quickly as possible. Yeah. And also like it doesn't 
it it and it gives I do like Regina's line about this because she's like he's with Hook? Oh, well he's, you know, prone to violence and a swarthy pirate, you know. The perfect person for a, a young boy. For, for a young for a young preteen. Yeah. <laughs> well, so let's go ahead and I want to talk about um Emma and Regina's scenes really quick. Um, because Regina is going to, uh, agrees to instruct Emma in some magic and they act like they've done this a lot of times before when they haven't. And, and it, like Regina's like, we need to put you in the deep end. I'm like, well, she hasn't really been in the shallow end. What, what is this basis of comparison? Cause like Rumple would put you, throw you in the deep end. And if you didn't make it, you would drown. So Regina magics, Emma, to a giant ravine and puts her on a little rickety bridge and is like, you're about to die unless you can do some magic. And Emma doesn't just run across the bridge. <laughs> Why wouldn't she run or try, at least try to move across the bridge? She just stands there. I, this whole scene was hysterical to me uh, because the way they set it up was like, because so Regina like blows a bunch of the stuff off the bridge and then it becomes what looks like a ladder. So I thought it was going to be a, and then Emma falls to the side of the ravine and then has to like crawl up the ladder thing. But like, that's not what happens at all. Uh, This is, this, this scene's hysterical to me. I just, it's so chaotic. For no reason. It's chaotic, but there's a couple things in it I really liked. Um, I did like the look on Regina's face when Emma fell, because for a hot second she's like, oh shit, I maybe shouldn't have done this. Maybe this was the wrong choice. Maybe I got overconfident. And and then Emma coming up on the the planks of wood from the from the bridge that she magically fashioned into almost like a spiral creature almost it almost looked like it was breathing a little bit it was moving which is interesting because um originally they they were gonna have her magic up a dragon conjure a dragon to get out but the writers eventually decided no that would that would imply she's way more powerful than she is because conjuring a dragon is like some serious shit so then they like threw around some ideas. I think a big one was like Ivy and they were like, we just don't know what to do. So basically what they did is they filmed Emma and Regina with no clue of how she was getting, how she was coming out of the ground. And they just told the VFX artists, just do whatever you want. And they are the ones who came up with the planks, which I actually liked the best because it was Emma being being smart and creative and using her environment, which felt very much like her. That does sound like Emma of just like grabbing what's nearby to solve your problem. Yeah. Um, and I do like this too, because I like the, like the reality that's setting in on Regina of just like just yesterday, she had her ass kicked by Zelina and found out that she was not the most powerful, revered person Rumpel had ever seen. Uh, so she's already had to deal with that. And now she's watching Emma barely try and conjure magic that Regina can't fathom. Because Regina's like, oh, you should have just tied the rope. Because that's what Regina would have done. Because that's what's within Regina's grasp. Um, mm-hmm. Again, another parenting thing. You know, where you're expecting someone to solve a problem the way that you would. And they solve it a different way. And you're like, oh, damn, that's that's way better. Am I an idiot? 
because that's what Regina is staring down right now. She's realizing mm-hmm. that she is powerful, but maybe all of the stuff that she did to make her this great evil queen was, it wasn't magic. It was fear. She was harnessing fear and just her her looming presence, not the fact that she can just make fireballs. Because as it turns out, it, it's just not super special in that. It's just like, I have magic? Wow, you make a fireball? Wow, very impressed. Not. <laughs> <laughs> well, as that is happening with Regina and Emma, um, David and Mary Margaret are sadly walking along the beach feeling sorry for themselves. And I'm pretty sure... Snow was wearing pumps in the sand. Good for her. Like, Good for her, I guess. Pregnant in pumps. I'm I, I am curious at this point if she wasn't if she'd already had her baby and was wearing a, a fake belly because her body looked a, looks a little different. Like her, agreed. Her look, and and I'm I, I honestly am curious if she had the baby between seasons. And like went on maternity leave or something, but but we may also get a time in the next few episodes where she is not there. I I, I don't remember the timeline of things. Um, I do know that this episode came out the day after Josh Dallas and Jennifer Goodwin got married. Aww. So, yeah, but I I like this whole. I love this like little like C plot. I don't even know what plot this is. Like C D F plot, uh, because. It's the realization that Snow and Charming are just actual old people. Yeah. Because they're not fun. Like, this is... We talked about this a couple episodes ago, but, like, being royal where you have to make decisions for the people, not the person. Uh, You're not fun when you're like that. You don't Mm -hmm. get to be fun. You're not going to be exciting to a 10-year-old. Um, I'm going to call Henry 10 years old for the rest of like forever, even when we start re- reviewing season seven. So just bear with me. <laughs> Why is a seven year old in Seattle? Um, but like, I love this because it's just them being like, how can we be fun? And the answer charming has to how can we be fun? Unparalleled. Love this. <laughs> Yeah, but before they can, you know, they can come up with their fun idea on how to entertain a 12-year-old by giving him the keys to a car, uh, they come across Ariel, who has washed up on shore, and she is looking for her prince, but she has been missing a year. And she's, you know, they think maybe Prince Eric's turning to a monkey. They're not quite sure. Now, I have one fix for this scene that I think would have made it so much better and had it make a lot more sense. Because as it stood, this made zero sense to me and it felt total, like, total plot con- contrivance. Because Charming and Snow suggest to Ariel, hey, maybe Hook could help because he remembers the year. Never mind the fact they've never brought this up for any of the other people who've lost their memories and have been looking for people. Because we've seen it a lot in the past few episodes. It's only now that they bring up Hook when it's Hook has a personal connection to it that they don't even know about. I felt this was a mistake. And given how Zelina was Ariel in disguise. Spoilers. Oh my god, what? <laughs> and she knew Hook's story. If they had simply had Ariel like throw out a nugget of well, is there anyone here who remembers the past year who could help me? 
Or, hey, Hook does maritime stuff. Maybe he has some answers. If Ariel had thrown out the nugget to to the two of them and let them continue it, I feel like this would have actually made sense. Because as it stood, this was really stupid to me. I have a question. Mm-hmm. What's the maritime land? Is it just an island with a bunch of docks? I think like, so. I mean, I think it's just that Eric lives by the water. I, I, I love the idea of a maritime. Just ah, uh, it's the land of maritime. It's Maine. Uh, is there a lobster boat involved? Uh, so, I this anyway. Yeah, she. Yeah, they see Ariel. She's like, oh look, it's snow. He's like, yeah, we'll talk to Hook and, uh, yeah. This is all I didn't like. This is was unsettling for me. Because I feel like they didn't explain it long enough as to why, like, Ariel kind of doesn't remember. I don't think they made it clear enough for even me, who has watched the show, to be okay with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, from we've established before that you can swim under curses if you're a mermaid. So why was she able to swim under one curse and not this one? You know, we got questions. This logic, but should we bring logic into Once Upon a Time? The answer is obviously no, but we do it anyway. Because otherwise, what would the podcast be about? Yeah, but you know what we should also do? We should also definitely go to Gold Shop and watch Belle very poorly look for things. I laughed. I horse laughed when it was like, I will help you look. And Belle turns around and is just like, nope, not in my immediate area. (laughs) She literally like turned to the right and bent over slightly, and that was her 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 hardcore investigation. Yeah, so they head to Gold Shop. They're trying to find something of Eric's. Um, no, they're trying to find Bell, like to to come up with an answer. And then Bell comes up with the idea to do the locator spell, and but they need something of Eric's. And we have um, Hook gets first of all he gets his little. Little zooming thing, I forget his, what it's called. His peeping Tom telescope. Yeah, he just uses that to uh, for he would use it to look into the why the yonder, but instead he's using it to look at Thomas' face from a distance, like a creepo. Um, so he sees Eric's cloak in the closet, and it's got the Ursula clasp on it. That's how you know it is Eric's. And we also saw in the previous scene, Ariel wouldn't shut the F up about this stupid cloak. <laughs> his cloak! His cloak! It's not his cloak! His cloak! And, and then Ariel comes in, you know, Selena as Ariel, and immediately recognizes it as Eric's cloak, which... This does not seem like information Zelina would have. This seems like a strange detail. Like that's that's why this episode is is such is a few steps short for me because they needed to write this Ariel better as Zelina in disguise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I agree. I agree. Because why would um, she know that? Why yeah. would she know that Eric was from this and that that was his cloak? Because like Hook's not even really standing near it. He just sort of sees it and then ariel zelina ariel exclamation point zelina walks in and is just like there it is it's his cloak it's amazing it's like great yeah like she says she has spies okay fine the spies aren't going to be like okay you'll know his coat it has a clasp on it with ursula on it it's red and and like there these are things monkeys would not pay attention to (laughs) 
Boy. Boy. Maligning the flying monkeys. Poor monkeys. They're just trying to do their job. This is trying to, they're, they're, they're just poor cursed people. Uh, but you're right. Because, I mean, even people who have been, like, in uh, trauma situations or, like, robbed and stuff, when you ask them to describe the person that has traumatized them, they're like, um, he had hair and pants. They might have been blue pants. Like, I can't imagine a monkey's just like, okay, Ariel's BFF, or BFF, his, or Ariel's bow. Listen, here's what he looks like. Exactly. To a T. Also, let me tell you every single thing about his Doctor Strange cloak. It's amazing. Well, it flies through the air thanks to the locator spell and then finds itself plunging into the depths of the sea, which Ariel takes to mean one thing. Her beloved Prince Eric is gone. And if only she could find out who was responsible, she would have all the answers in the world. You know, just laying on the guilt trips on Hook over and over and over again. How, how, listen, in that entire scene, how did no one say anything about Davy Jones's locker? Please. Why did no one say anything? Yeah, there are a lot of there were a lot of missed writing opportunities in this episode. I feel like, and I don't want to malign the the writer too much. Uh, it's just Ernest the monkeys. Dicker. It was David Goodman who was an executive producer, and he wrote a lot of episodes. He wrote like the thing you love most. Like he's been there since the beginning. I feel like this one was phoned in a little bit. Like there's there's such just, a ripe opportunity with a mermaid and a pirate hanging out together, like. There's so much. Yeah. It's that. There's easy logic fixes that would make this a lot better. It just felt like whoever was writing this was just kind of getting to where they needed to be. But where, you know, if you do the bare minimum, you're still going to miss out on a lot of potential. Like Davy Jones's locker. I like the idea that they spent, like, they were in a writer's room and they spent, like, three and a half hours trying to figure out how Emma would conjure herself up on the thing. Dragon? No. Not good enough. Vines? Weird. Poison Ivy. We can't do that. Uh, let's stay here all night and figure out that way. Okay, well, what can we do with a pirate and a mermaid? I don't know. Is anyone's guess. Just get them from A to B. Who cares? Let's... <laughs> Let's not delve into the just decades and centuries of, of pirate and mermaid lore that we could make this episode work with. Uh, but we do get uh, Ariel slapping Hook again. That's right, because Eric, oh, sorry, Hook, fast forward to the nighttime. The nighttime! We, 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 we cut to the night, and Ariel is about to leave, and she's sad and, and, and depressed, and Hook comes to her begging for her forgiveness, confessing what happened, what his responsibility was, and, and he's like, I've changed. I love a woman now. It's made me a better person. And she's like, swear by her name. Tell me the name of the woman you love, and I'll feel a little bit better. And, and he says, Emma Swan, and all the shippers swoon. They Emma swoon. They Emma swoon. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's where we get the big twist and i feel very um i feel very silly for legit not seeing it coming until it happened but i also think that's partly because they didn't write it well leading up to it meanwhile I misunderstood you telling me uh, the storyline like promo for one of the episodes thinking that it was this episode. So the whole episode mm -hmm. I was waiting for Zelina to show up and threaten Hook 
uh, literally until this recording, until you told me that I was misremembering which episode it was for. I was just like, Zelina will show up any moment. So I was not blindsided by it. I was just very confused by the everything about it. So this... This also happened, like, very quickly. This felt like mm-hmm. a Band-Aid situation, because it was like, it's Zelina, poof, black, blah, blah, duh, and we've moved on. Very wow. It it was it was a monologue. It was a monologue moment, and if you have to do a monologue moment in order for your thing to make sense, then you've done it wrong. Because Zelina explains to him, hey, I've got spies everywhere. I knew about your dirty secret the whole year. I brought, I, I disguised myself as Ariel, and I came here so that I could get the name of your love uh, because I need your heart. Not for that. This is not the heart for her spell, which side note, I forgot to mention um, Regina mentioning baby parts for a magic spell. I, I love that line so much. I like, again, I just like it when they go full tilt bonkers. And so, yeah, it was just like, what could she need the baby for? Well, there's so many spells that could use baby parts. You wouldn't even understand. And like, Snow is like grabbing her stomach, like, oh my God. And Regina's like, yeah, baby parts. You need a baby foot to make like literally almost everything in the world happen. But whatever. At least she's so blase about it. 10 out of 10. Yeah, you gotta legit wonder how many baby parts Regina has used in her spells. But I wonder if that's, like, that's supposed to be, like, and I don't know if they meant to do this. I highly doubt they meant to do this. But I think that might have been lampshading is the fact that Regina's not actually bad, bad. Like, she's done bad things, but in her heart, she's not terrible because, and and again, this is the underlying sexism of early 2000s television, uh, because she wants a child. I mean, we saw that Mm. with Hansel and Gretel. She's always had kind of a soft spot for kids. So I'm going to guess... The number of baby parts involved in anything Regina was doing, unless Rumpel was there tossing baby parts at her, uh, was zero. Like, I don't think that that she wouldn't take someone's baby to do that. That's that, very fair. And also, I don't want to say the word baby parts anymore. I and want, we're I want, done. I want to ar- throw this out the window. And we're it done. Is, <laughs> it is gone forever. So Ariel Zelina, she, she, she gives uh, Hook the kiss of death um, where she now he has a curse on his lips where if he kisses Emma, it's going to get rid of her powers forever. This is this is really stupid. This is a I, stupid spell. How does she have this spell? How could she not use this in any other way to more easily get rid of Emma's powers? Put it on a handshake. Put it on her coffee mug. Put it on herself as Hook and kiss her herself. Like, and then she then she'd absorb the powers. Like, I, I, uh, so, so many questions. I mostly what I took from that a besides being like this is a very convoluted plot. Uh, was all I was thinking was the number of times Hook has walked around with a like curse on his body parts. Because he's got it on his lips now, but, like, I don't remember if this has happened already or it happens later, but at one point his hook is cursed, or not cursed, but, like, given the power to destroy Rumpel. Like, at a certain yeah. point his hook is just, like, very deadly, more so than normal, uh, on top of now his lips. Like, I like the idea that Hook's just walking around with crazy curses all over his body. Like, yeah, if I, like, if I fist bump somebody too hard, uh, they'll go blind. Like... <laughs> 
it's just and that's not even getting into the uh, the the double hand that he gets uh, later on. Oh, poor Hook! Poor Hook in his body autonomy. I swear, <laughs> poor man. So Zelina tells him that he has to kiss Emma uh, in order to get rid of her magic, or she is going to commit genocide against literally literally everybody in town. And so Hook is left with a Sophie's choice. And instead of, you know, contemplating or getting help or I don't know, maybe gathering everybody Emma is close to and putting them all in Charming and Snow's house that cannot be repelled by blood, uh, repels all blood magic so Zelina can't get in, (laughs) instead just stares at Emma through a window. Well, first of all, Hook doesn't know about that. Whatever. Uh, but <laughs> well, then he needs to get help because then someone can tell. Then Regina can tell him, "Hey, it's cool. I made this house Zelina proof. Get everyone over here." Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I'll say that. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna BS a little bit, but I 100% agree with you. I the way that the writers are trying to make hook in this episode, which is the one thing I think I dislike the most, like, again, very on board with the ship. This doesn't work for me is that they tried to make him so in love with Emma that he it it takes away his critical thinking abilities. Like all through pan land and everything, he was on top of things. He knew what was going on, but now suddenly he's realized how pretty Emma was and the other guys out of the picture. And suddenly he doesn't have two brain cells to rub together. He's just too busy wanting to look at pretty girl. Isn't pretty girl. So pretty look at how her blonde hair goes pretty. I, this doesn't work for me at all. Uh, not to say the forced part of like when we get later back in the apartment and, Emma's just like, Hook did something nice? Did it get warm in here? Oh my god. (laughs) He's so... I know that there's still a guy at the cemetery putting dirt on the grave of my baby daddy, who I also super loved, but Pyro's eyeliner being nice to a mermaid. And, I mean, they also have their own version of, like, G-rated porn because they get that magic mirror to watch Prince Eric and Ariel spin each other around in a circle for a seemingly eternity. I Okay, so here's my f- my favorite part of just the... Just follow along here. Is that Hook says, yeah, Ariel went back and found him, so they get to see them spinning on the beach, right? Yes. Okay. What actually happened is that Ariel found Eric... A long time ago. Yeah. Are they just spinning on the beach? Yeah. All the time? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, this That's- is literally like, this is literally hell. They are literally in hell. <laughs> They're just constantly like, this is what we do. We go to the beach and I spin you in my arms. Like, er- Eric has to be absolutely jacked. Like, absolutely shredded <laughs> shoulders because he's constantly spinning around uh, Ariel because that's the only way she knows how to interact with the beach. She's like, well, if we're at the beach, what are we doing? Well, we could go swimming. Why would I go swimming? I'm a mermaid. Well, I want to do what we did the first day I got here. Uh, I want you to swing me around like I weigh nothing. But you don't weigh nothing. But it's so much fun. They're also on Hangman's Island, which doesn't sound like a very fun or friendly place. He was deserted there to barely survive until Blackbeard could fetch him later. Why did they stay? Why didn't she take him somewhere else? I like the idea that she's like secretly a little bit emo and just is like, I kind of like our address being Hangman's Island. 
Let's, let's get our life together. Because again, she found Eric. Like, wouldn't they be like, why doesn't he look? Because he was all very clean shaven, wearing a clean shirt. What's happening on Hangman's Island? Is it a resort? Is it actually a secret sandals? Like, I mean, it very well could be. We do not know. Um, could you imagine? But- sandals, Hangman's Island. <laughs> Come swim with the dolphins <laughs> at Hangman's Island. Well, I mean, that that could be a vacation destination for, for Hook and Emma once they find their way past this pesky curse that has beset, befallen Hook's lips. And and I know it's going to come to fruition in two episodes where Zelina will threaten. And this is the description that we were talking about. There's an episode two, two episodes from now where the description on Disney Plus says, Zelina threatens to kill Henry if Hook doesn't kiss Emma. Now, I read that not remembering this whole curse on his lips thing. So I was just like, this show is so desperate to make this ship happen. They're riding into the plot. And and lo and behold, they are. I love it. I love it so it's much. It's so funny. It's so ridiculous. Uh, yeah. They, uh, I do like their little hallway scene that Emma and Hook have because Emma's just kind of like doing the first date thing where she's kind of fiddling with her keys. Like, oh, are you leaving? I mean, I guess. It's fine. Like, and Hook's like, I just need to get all the way out of here. Please. I, please, don't come anywhere near me. I'm worried if I breathe on you, this curse will get on you. Uh, so they're like, yeah, we're all going to go to Granny's and have a good time. They at no point give Henry any moment to question a single bit of anything. Like, two randos who he doesn't care for gave him a joyride in an, in an old Ford truck. And then they're going to go to Granny's and have a good time. And he seems to be laughing and having a good time with them. Like he's known them for years. Also, Henry is fully the size of all of them. He has gotten so big. (laughs) It's like the thing that the show is doing is for the most part, the way they represent that Henry is not on the same level is just he's in his phone. He's, He's looking at a phone. He's playing a video game on his phone. And then you have Emma talking to somebody. In this case, she's talking to Hook saying he had a good life over there. I want to take him back to it. Those are like the two modes, but then sometimes it feels like the writers forget that and then they film Henry interacting with everybody the same way he always has. Yeah. As if like one joyride with Charming suddenly made him not... Made them family, yeah. Like made them family, but also like took him away, took his face away from his phone. Like that's not how teenagers work. Like. They don't have a problem with their phone. I love the boomer idea in this whole thing of just being like, he's in his phone. He's just some... But, like, he can like them, but he still wants to play his games. Like, he still wants to disengage his brain. Because that's what teenagers want to do. They want to turn off their brain for a little bit because they're having too many hormonal thoughts about the existential crisis that they're having. Uh, They just, no, play game instead. Please, please get me out of my own brain. They don't want to have a super fun family time at Granny's uh, while everyone stares at him strangely. Because I have to imagine he is so uncomfortable all of the time. And but then Hook is staring at them, like, from across the street with his spyglass. And then Henry looks over and is even more uncomfortable. It's like, hey. why is this Why is this dude with a par- down periscope staring I, okay. at my mother? So listen, and I'm not, I'm going to try not to harp on this too long. But it's a telescope, right? Like, it's supposed to be like an eyeglass yeah. for him yeah, to see glass. land. 
So he's supposed to be able to look at the horizon and see if he can see something that his naked eye could not see. It just like looks like four feet in front of him. Yeah, this is like a cheap, <laughs> terrible one that you buy for your kid that's like neon green and can see kind of across the room. Yeah, just like, oh, cool. I can kind of see a little bit more of the closet I'm sitting next to. Or it's, it'd be like the kaleidoscope one where it ha- where you move it around and like it has like the little changing. <laughs> changing he could have colors. literally just stood outside the window. She wouldn't have noticed. Like, why is this happening? I love it so much. This is such a weird episode. <laughs> well, guys, that was that episode. It's season three, episode 17, The Jolly Roger. And we still do not know what happened to The Jolly Roger. It is still MIA missing in action. And I feel like we've said everything we need to say about this one. It it could have it was fine. It could have been a lot better with a few easy fixes. I feel like it's just trying to move us to where the show wants us to be. And like it's it's kind of taking a toll on the quality of the show itself cuz this episode is not the finest they've done. No, I feel like both the Zelina and the Neverland thing, if done properly, could have been spread out through a full season. Mm-hmm. And their decision to put them as a breakup season. And that's fine. I think there's a way to pare both of the seasons down, but you can tell where they're trying to speed run through things. Mm-hmm. And this was a speed run episode. This was a let's get... Meh, meh. And like it's been like a couple episodes of speed running because it's like, we've killed Neil. Okay, now we've got Hook in line. Okay, now Hook has to kiss her or the whole world falls apart. The speed run to the finish line, because if I'm remembering the rest of the season correctly, a lot more shit happens. Yeah. And so it's just like, why did this happen in the back lot of the back 40 of this season? Well, a lot of stuff happens, but you know what also happens, Abby? What's that? Uh a lot of smooches. Oh, he's doing many smooches. Also, Zelina looking smooches. like absolute fire. Like, I... She can wear a hat like nobody's business. Yeah. No one can wear a hat like Zelina. I think that's how you know that she's related to to Regina. Is mm-hmm. like, both of them could wear a hat and I'd never be mad about it. They could both put on baseball caps and look like runway models. I love it. So much. <laughs> Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. Uh, We want to thank our patrons, especially our Snow Queen patrons, which, by the way, that name in just a few episodes is going to take on a whole new meaning because we will be in the frozen territory. Our special Snow Queen shadow of the week is going to go to Philip Korn. Philip, thank you so much for supporting us. If you're interested in uh, joining the wonderful Patreon community we've got built up, it is patreon.com slash OUA timing. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter if you just want to like hang out and chat. I am personally at Beth Elderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. So just let, so thank you everyone for joining us and just to let you know we will be back at the beginning of the new year. We are taking a little bit of a break for the holidays and we want to wish all of you a wonderful holiday season however you choose to celebrate or not celebrate. Uh but don't worry. 
Uh, you will not be empty-handed as you go into our your holiday festive travel. Uh, next week, for our wonderful patrons, we are having a uh, special episode where Abby and I, along with a special guest or more, to talk about the Princess Switch 3. Yes! I'm so excited! So it's excited. a heist movie! <laughs> I'm so excited! I want the Princess Switch to just be the new Fast and the Furious. I just want Princess Switch 5, 3 Fast, 5 Furious. In uh, space. Uh, yes space (laughs) and it will be a patreon exclusive for a week and then right you know between christmas and new year's it will be made public for all of our wonderful listeners uh so if you want early access before the holidays uh you can subscribe to us on patreon as mentioned earlier otherwise it will be available uh later on for the group at large uh, because we just want to thank you for all of your support uh, for throughout this whole quite a year. This has been quite a year, Abby. (laughs) It's been two years of us doing this and it feels like it's been one year, but yes, it has been one hell of a year. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, before we head out, I just want to say guys, happy holidays, happy, whatever you're celebrating, happy end of December. If that's all it is. Um, I love you guys. Stay safe. and, and, and like love everyone around you found family regular family i'm a big mushy pile of christmas mess so i love everybody this is amazing i'm very excited to talk about the princess switch but i'm also very excited to come back and talk about possibly cora question mark i'm so just i love it i love it yeah thank you everybody and uh hope you have a great rest of your year and abby we will see you in 2022 See you next year. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.